Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, Species 57, written by Crumb JD. We were fairly sure that we had a note about humanity before we were even able to read it. Wait, that's not starting in the right place. Mankind grew and expanded on Earth for countless of eons, thinking that we were alone in the universe. We kept the faith that benign gods might watch over us, and we hoped that the day might come that we meet friendly beings from other stars. However, all we ever had was faith and hope, never any proof. We invented fire, and then the wheel, and then the warp drive. For 250 years we spread out into the cosmos and away from our little blue and green orb. And although the wider galaxy brought us incredible riches, it also seemed to confirm our greatest fear. We were alone. Then we found something built by a thinking mind, but not by human hands. It was a space station located about 2,000 light years from Earth. It seemed to be an astronomical research facility, or at least it was in tight orbit around a rather interesting binary system composed of a smallish black hole and a largish companion star. The gravitational effects on the singularity devoured the star were certainly worth a second look. However, we were obviously more interested in the station. It had been nearly destroyed by a solar flare of some sort, but we were still able to learn a fair amount. It had a crew, and they were tripedal with apparently vulnerable to radiation because they all seemed to have died in the same instant. They were mummified by the lack of breathable atmosphere. The station was rather low-tech. It had, of all the previous things, direct optical telescopes. Mankind had learned to build digital sensors with a pixel density that dwarfed the human eye long before we'd learned to build warp drives. So everyone was mystified as to why the aliens would want to look at things through a lens. We speculated that it was something cultural, or perhaps that their eyes were really, really good. But speculation was all it was. We couldn't ask the dead. However, most of all, the station had records. The first thing we managed to puzzle out was their calendar system. They had recorded novas, meteors, and asteroid orbits, and a great many other ticks and tocks in the great celestial clock that mankind had also observed, so it was pretty trivial for us to convert their timestamps to our units. The date system put us onto something very interesting. There was a record date the same day humanity had finally achieved warp. At that time, it became imperative that we translate the entry. The flare that had killed them almost destroyed their records, but if you stuck a scanning electron microscope to their storage media and inspected it at an atomic level, patterns could still be retrieved. We rebuilt databases and fed them into our computers. We eventually deciphered their image and the video storage. 
From there, we were able to find video with captions and correlates words to images. We broke their language and read, Species 57 has escaped from Prison Planet 50L-3. Evacuation has begun. For many people, it just confirmed what they were talking about humanity. Clearly, we were too violent or careless with the environment, or unenlightened or religious or illogical, or something we got locked up for it. A small percentage of people still held out hope for a little while. We had evolved on Earth. How could we be species 57? But had our astralopithecus done something naughty? Anyway... How was Earth a prison exactly? It wasn't like it had bars. Still, we had some astronomical research station. It wasn't exactly hard to find a star chart. 50L-3 was Earth. We were the dreaded species 57, and apparently the reason we were alone was that everyone else was fleeing in terror. Reactions were varied. One on one end of the spectrum, you had people who basically wanted to prove that we could be good prisoners. The most extreme version of this said we should give up technology, hole up in the soul system, and wait for a parole board hearing. Their opponents wanted to pull the giant wall free to go find whoever had locked us up in the first place, beat them up, and take their stuff. Two factions were back and forth on that. They put forward a great many arguments, but both good and utterly mind-numbingly bad. They really didn't win each other over at all. And that didn't matter. Politics is downstream from culture, and that is mostly downstream from history. By that point, more people lived or worked or traveled out the soul system than had always stayed inside of it. None of them intended to move back to Earth just because some old alien record said that we were supposed to be imprisoned there. In the end, three things happened. We built up our militaries a bit, even though we were mostly gotten over fighting with each other. A few Neo-Luddites settled on Earth and gave the new Mennonites competition with the churning butter and trying to be holy game, and we put a fair amount of effort into answering the great question. Seriously, WTF? For a hundred years, that proved to be the elusive answer. We found other ruins and even other records, though the other species had made a point to destroy anything that couldn't take with them. None of them told us what made humanity such a puppy-punching freak show that they were willing to abandon a galaxy just because they suspected that we were going to be puttering around in it. We got some hints, though. We were, apparently, thought to be violent, sort of. Anyway, the records we found on non-humans suggested that we were capable of murder and war. We just did those things differently. Aliens were also deeply disturbed by our sense of humor or perhaps just humor in general. How we viewed adversity and death seemed to bother them. In fact, overall, we seemed to be starfish aliens to most of the galaxy, a race too bizarre to properly share space with. Seemed was the operative word. The alien records were weird. It was like none of them were very interested in writing down their history. Even we, we found the truly solid records dealing with historical events, they seemed to be structured as entertainment. Moreover, their tech was strange. Some of it was amazingly primitive, like the telescopes at the observatory. Other artifacts did inexplicable things our science couldn't duplicate. When our next clue came, mankind made it to the center of the Milky Way. 
We only went there in the form of far-ranging research ships and colonies founded by people who really didn't want any neighbors. But we were capable of traveling the 25,000 light-years in relative reasonable amount of time. As such, there were human senses around to capture what seemed like the very strange warp wake, and there were human research vessels there to race to what became known as the Shattered Ship. The Shattered Ship was, well, a ship. However, it wasn't like any human ship. By the time our vessels were shaped and robust gravity manipulation technology, we didn't need hulls to keep the air in or subatomic particles out. Most people flew around in functional habitats that looked like trees or suburban houses complete with lawns or magic carpets. The ship we found looked like a vessel from the very dawn of space exploration. A series of pressurized tubes and bubbles hooked together with flimsy little gantries. It made absolutely no sense. If whoever made the ship had come from another galaxy, and they had to have gravitic control that made owls look like stone tools. The ship's pressure hulled couldn't just be cheapness, because the cheapest way to keep air in a ship with a few lines of computer code to shape the gravitic envelope correctly. It wasn't a safety feature, because if a gravity drive fails, the steel of the hull we found wasn't going to stand up to it. A portion can't stand up for the false gradient of failing gravity drive. A safety feature on a warp ship is a second gravetic emitter. There was a real rub. We didn't find any gravetic emitter or of any sort. That and it had been ripped to shreds. The hand modules were all open to raw space, frozen and unlivable. The metal gantries had connected them, floated and twisted in the void. The race that had been once crewed the vessel were all dead. Most of their records were gone as well. That wasn't due to the damage to the remainder of the ship. It seemed to be a failsafe for some sort of trigger when the ship became unlivable. We were only able to pull a single line out of the buffer of what seemed to be a communication device. It said, Survey of A1 complete. Being 57 apparently remains trapped within despite the unprecedented spread of Species 57. By the time, they didn't need to work to translate the message or the coordinates. A1 was Sagittarius, a star. There's something in there was apparently related to mankind, and it was alive. If mankind is somewhat violent, then we are very curious. If you give us a big red button, we'll poke it with a stick sooner or later. As such, there really wasn't much question. We needed to bust our partner in crime out of its prison, figure out what it was, and then ask it what was going on, and maybe then loot what was stashed. That was easier said than done. The event horizon on the black hole is when the gravitational acceleration is higher than the speed of light. So any warp drive is sufficient to get you inside a black hole and then out again safely. But then again, there are black holes and then there are black holes. And there's all the devouring more of Sagittarius A star, the supermassive beast around which the 40 billion stars of the Milky Way dance. We worked for another 75 years on the problem. Gravetics could be built that were large enough to unfold the beast, or at least part of it, but they weren't going to be the sort of thing that could be moved, and we would have to assemble infrastructure outside Sagittarius Star, and then essentially poke a corridor of habitable space and time down into it like a giant straw. 
It ended up taking up five massive space stations, each the size of a moon. They were impressive, humbling and uplifting all at once. They were worlds and mountain ranges made of capacitor banks, great canyons of electrical cabling, continental plates of gravity-emitting diodes. We never would have powered it all, except we were in the most energetic neighborhood of the entire galaxy. So yet, more world-sized machines were built to harvest energy from the inconceivably potent electromagnetic fields as the crescent disk. In the end, it was the greatest work of our species. When we turned it on, the disk around Sagittarius A-star rolled around like a living thing. That look was accentuated by tendrils of plasma that roused off a disk as gravity in those areas decreased. It could have been a jellyfish. Well, if a jellyfish were the size of a solar system, and they composed of the hottest plasma in the universe, moving at nearly the speed of light, such a creature would have a hell of a sting. But that was just special effects. The real action was the column of livable space descending through the event horizon towards the center of the hole. At first, that didn't look like much. At first... Then it found whatever matter and energy, whatever state of being was there at the center. For an instant, the singularity was naked. A column of energy, of raw reality, said a flame erupted from it. The force was, um, the force was beyond description. Even scientific estimates failed. No one knew how many zeros to put on the number that would describe the event. As the jet of matter would move Sagittarius A star and with it the entire Milky Way galaxy. Here was our creature's sting. And in that column of fire, a being was reborn. It had the form of a man. No, a god. We knew that instantly because every human mind within a hundred light years was immediately read front to back, judged, called to account, forgiven, loved. They communicated with us and explained what had happened to the other beings in the universe. We are the things of contradiction and darkness. It wasn't that we were bad, exactly. They did have murder and war, but they didn't have madness. They didn't kill for no reason or fight past a reasonable hope of victory. They feared death, but they didn't obsess about it and try to build great things to defeat it. They didn't understand humor, which always comes from pain. They couldn't see the hope in the flower growing up through the pile of rubble. They couldn't say, C'est levee. All the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Or a thousand other things in a thousand other languages. I'd accept it and carry on. In short, we were a race that had somehow taken darkness into our souls and found strength. They didn't understand it and they feared us. So they had tossed our God into a well and left us to die on our home world. Any of them would have done exactly that without divinity to patch up the holes in their technology and provide otherwise impossible toys. However, we had lived, and God had eventually been able to rip apart one of their ships and send us a message. We asked God what we should do, and he proved that he was our God. We needed to punch our enemy right in the eye, but first we needed to save the lost souls. We were confused. No one would doubt after they actually met God, and much of what we already believed was true. Which made God chuckle, because he does have a sense of humor. No, he was being literal. He hadn't been able to attend to our dead while he was trapped, and so they wandered lost. 
in some cases becoming very twisted and dangerous, and they needed to be saved. After that, a comeuppance was going to be delivered to a certain other races and their gods. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.